Bonjour mes cœurs et bienvenue. Welcome to the next episode of The Paris Lessons. I hope that you're all doing very well. I hope that you're all having a wonderful weekend. Un très beau dimanche, a beautiful Sunday. I'm posting this episode a little bit earlier than usual because I want to be sure that my lovely Australian listeners also are able to make this part of their Sunday, <clears throat> pardon, Sunday ritual or their Sunday routine. So today is all about female solo travel. For a long time, I've really loved to travel by myself. I found some great quotes, en français bien sûr, in French of course, for you related to this topic. And I also wanted to share with you just some sort of some rules of thumb, so to speak, from my solo trips over the years from when I used to come to Paris alone, when I used to go out into nature on my own in California, which I think I'm going to start doing a little bit more here in France. Actually, I know I'm going to start doing that a little bit more. I found exactly where I'm going to go in April. And I also wanted to share with you, of course, how I used Uh, my philosophy of for female travel, as well as these rules of thumb, to create my trip to Rome. And I posted my Roman highlights on Instagram stories. Speaking of that, I love social media. I love social media so much because it enables me to connect with all of you. It enables me to give French's beautiful, its voice, both in audios as well as in images. Um, I simply love taking pictures and making videos. I've been taking pictures since, um, since I was in high school. That's what I asked for for my graduation gift. And of course, my experience as an actor makes me just feel so fulfilled when I make, when I edit videos, when I do voiceovers. That said, when one is traveling, especially these days, it can be very, very tempting to be glued to one's phone. Um, I don't know about each of you, but uh, I do tend now to take most of my photos and make most of my videos with my iPhone. Up until a few years ago, I was still carrying around my my Canon camera, uh, but now I tend to mainly just use the iPhone. Anyway, that can be a problem when you're taking a trip where the, the main objective is, you know, of course, to experience where you are, to lean into the culture where you are, but also to, to be in conversation with yourself. And that's one of the things that I love so much about solo travel. So that's the reason why uh, for this trip, I made the decision to not post stories as I was as I was traveling because a I wanted to just take that pressure off myself to really have a vacation um, you know as, as free from work as possible, uh, but also b to make sure that I was truly seeing and enjoying and experiencing everything a hundred percent, and also that I was you know, do, doing it in a way that was following my intuition and not in a way that was following uh, what I thought would be most interesting for for posting on social media, which is which is what happens when you when you when you do that for work. It's very natural that um, you have that in the back of your mind. So that is why I decided to just um, and also I, I 
I really enjoy creating beautiful stories. I hope that you think that they're beautiful. I do my best to make them as beautiful as possible, at least according to my eye, and I take a lot of time editing them. So it's not as simple as just posting you know, in a few seconds. So I decided to take my time when I got back to Paris and create sort of a highlight reel for you. So that's what I posted yesterday. I hope that you love it. It really, truly is composed of the moments that still stick with me a couple of weeks later. And um, you'll see there's quite a few sunrises, quite a few sunsets, more on the sunrises in a minute. That's one of my things when I travel on my own. I always have to see at least one sunrise where I am. For me, there's something very sacred about watching a sunrise somewhere. Um, Not only do the colors differ from place to place as they do with sunsets. By the way, the light in Rome, I was not ready for that. This golden light, it really reminded me of California. So... um, Warm, all-encompassing, stunning, golden sunset light. Um, Much like the light in Arles, actually, in Arles, where I was in August, which is not surprising because of the connection with Roman culture in Arles. Just absolutely took my breath away. You can can really see it in a couple of the stories that I posted, especially the, the last one with the sunset over the Tiber River. So, so voila, voila, I hope that you enjoy those stories. I tagged the places that I visited that I loved that have, that had accounts. Once again, many thanks to Italy Segreta, who gave me some fantastic recommendations, such as my hotel, visiting Villa Farnesina, also Al Moro, such an amazing restaurant. So if you have Rome on your wish list, definitely, definitely definitely do those things. And I gave you some more photos of the interiors at um, Villa Medici also. And in this weekend's newsletter, there's a there's an up-close photo of my favorite painting at Villa Medici by a French artist whose last name was Lefebvre. And it's this just completely sublime, sublime painting of this young woman holding holding a bird. I think it's a dove, if I remember correctly, from memory. And I remember saying to Madame Blanche, the woman who gave me my tour, we, w- we walked into this, into that particular room, that bedroom of the villa. And this painting totally took my breath away. And I said to Madame Stendhal, mais c'est qui cette âme? <laughs> but who is that soul. And she said, that painting is called L'Innocence, Innocence. And I said, well, there you go. Exactly. It's, and I said, actually, in the end of the, the, the Roman highlights, the Roman highlight reel on stories in the very last video, I say, you know, thank you, Rome, for my first ever Stendhal syndrome, Stendhal syndrome experience. It was in that room. It was after I saw that painting. And then we, she was explaining to me the room and, and something happened to me in, in that room where I, where all of a sudden I just felt this, um, the only, the best way that I can describe it 
You can probably hear me getting a little bit teary-eyed as I talk about it, but it was so beautiful. It was just this, I was so overwhelmed by beauty that, that I felt it in my body. And it was really as if some sort of cloth between centuries was being torn in the air. And some part of me was, was, um, you know, not time traveling, but there were, there was some part of me that was there in that other time as I was standing there on that day in 2020. And it's very serendipitous because I have a professor of, um, philosophy esthetique. So philosophy of art. And she, uh, was one of the 16 artists a few years ago chosen to be a resident at the Villa Medici. So you go there for a year, you receive um, a bourse, so a stipend, and you have one year to work on the work that you propose in your application. So my professor uh, went there, Madame Cheminot, Debussy was there. I mean, so many incredible people, incredible visual artists have been there. Apparently, Madame Blanche told me Debussy was born out of his mind there and wrote that on the wall of his room. Um, I love that anecdote because I never really thought of Debussy as having so much character, like so much character because his music is so, is so soft. But as I've been saying in conversation with friends lately, may we stop confusing softness with Weakness. So anyway, Madame Cheminot, she did her, her entire year was devoted to a study on uh, Stendhal syndrome. So thank you, Roma, Roma, for that. And I'd have to say that, so, so, and there was actually one very special place also in Villa Borghese, so in that same area. So I spent a lot of time walking in Villa Borghese, um, the actual the Galleria, right, which is the actual villa itself, which is filled, filled with works of art. I have to say, if I have, if I had to give Rome one word, I would say decadent. It was a level of decadence, hence the Stendhal syndrome, that I was not ready for. You, you can see in my Instagram videos how much I'm, I'm, I'm uh, filming ceilings and and trying to show you the effect of, you know, walking from one room into the next and just the ceilings. Now, you're not allowed to film in the Sistine Chapel at the Vatican Museum. Many people do. And the guards, my heart went, I have a friend who's a guard there. My, I said to him later, I said, my heart goes out to all of you. It must make you bananas to spend your day telling adults to follow the rules. So you're not supposed to take pictures. You're not supposed to take videos. You're actually not even supposed to speak. And I think what happens in that room, I mean, I, I felt the energy of the centuries in that room, but I think that people are in such a mode of just seeing so much. I mean, Rome, the city itself is a museum that they forget that they're in, you know, no matter what your religion is, no matter what your thoughts on God are, no matter what your spiritual affiliation may be, if you're if you're sensitive, if you're in the moment, there's no way that you can lose the sight of the fact that you're in a space that is very, 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 very special. 
And so it's meant to be quiet. So that's why you won't see any pictures of that in my, um, in my Instagram stories. And you won't see any pictures of Villa Borghese, of the Galleria Borghese, because you're not allowed to take pictures at all in there, which I just thought was genius. Because, you know, even though I wasn't posting actively on social media during my trip, I was still taking a lot of pictures. I love to take pictures. Sorry, but hold on one second. I need to have a sip of my tea. Actually, two. <laughs> but I loved it because it really allowed me to just be in the moment. There's a beautiful Leonardo da Vinci in the Galleria Borghese, a young girl holding a baby unicorn. It's the most, it was the most majestic thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And again, the ceilings, the ceilings, the ceilings, the ceilings. There's a tiny room that I, uh, in, at, at uh, Villa Medici, I didn't post any text on it in the Instagram story, but it's in the Villa Medici section. And so you, there's the actual villa itself, and then you walk through the gardens on your tour. And then there's this tiny, this, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not that it's unattractive, it's just that it's very unassuming. It's this very small building. It's, that, it's made up of just one room towards the, towards the back edge of the garden. And I had no idea. Actually, it's two rooms, and I had no idea what the what Madame Blanche wanted to show me in there, but it, it actually currently houses a beautiful... I was First of all, we opened the door and I was blown away. Uh, instantly, we're in this beautiful space, of course, and it currently houses um, a, a lot of uh, molds that show you how Romans would do the replicas of the Greek, the Greek statues. So this is very interesting for me you know, studying philosophy because sort of a similar thing happened, not exact replicas, but, you know, replicas, you know, going from Greek language to Latin language, expanding on Greek thought as Roman thought developed with philosophy. And thank goodness, honestly, that, that Romans were so obsessed with Greek culture because it's in many things, in many ways, thanks to them that we know so much about Greek culture and have so many, um, artifacts of Greek culture, even if they're just replicas. Um, so there's that main room. And then she said, I want to show you something else. And we walked into this other room, this tiny room. And that's where the owner of the villa would, of the Medici family, would sleep. And it's this beautiful room. It's not that big. It was sort of like his outdoor bedroom, which I love the idea of as someone who's who's very much in love with nature. And it was in this room where something so obvious hit me so deeply. This, uh, I'm not sure, maybe it's generally Italian, but it's absolutely specifically Roman, and I've noticed it in Florence too, this, this habit of bringing nature into interiors. So we had this beautiful scene in nature painted on the walls, painted on the ceiling, these beautiful soft pink curtains. And I said to Madame Blanche, this is where my bedroom would be. And she laughed and she said, I understand. Je vous comprends. And so I decided that one day, one day I will have that. I will have that in my home, in my, in my bedroom. 
Another place that I loved so much that I loved actually just being nearby, but you can't actually visit it, is the library at the Vatican. I did take some pictures of that, but um, those were just for me. They weren't, I don't think they were that interesting enough to share them with everyone, but um, that place has me fascinated because one of my professors at the Sorbonne, his name is Monsieur Rached, who um, I studied Aristotle with last semester. Um, and I'll post, there's a wonderful, I've shared with you before episodes from Chemin de la Philosophie, that philosophy podcast that I love. I've shared them with you before in the newsletter, and there's a wonderful episode with him I'll share with you soon on the allegory of the cave, Plato's allegory of the cave, which is what I was studying yesterday as I had my café au comptoir at the café, my, my favorite café in the neighborhood. But he has spoken to us quite a bit about um, just about the amazing archives, obviously, at the library at the Vatican Museum. And if you have a research project in mind, you can write them. And if they agree, they will send you copies of uh, whatever documents are in line with your project. So my this whole trip to Rome was very, very special to me because... In a way, it was sort of reliving my trips to Paris before I moved to Paris, which were very much about connecting with myself, very much about going far away geographically to have perspective on my life, um, what, I, what I'd accomplished, what I wanted to accomplish, on reconnecting with a culture that reflects back to me certain parts of my character and of my values that aren't necessarily reflected back to me. Well, at the time when I was coming to Paris, values that weren't necessarily reflected back to me in American culture, now going to Rome coming from Paris, values or parts of my character that aren't necessarily reflected back to me in French culture. And my point with this is that when we travel, it's not just to see things and taste things, and smell things, and hear things, although it's very much about that in many ways. But it's also about connecting with ourselves and being in conversation with ourselves and having a new perspective on ourselves. And I think that this is why so many amazing women write me just after a trip from Paris, expressing this sort of like the Paris blues, I call it, when you get back from when you come back from Paris and you kind of feel like you've connected with a part of yourself here and you go back to wherever you live in the world and you're grieving because it's like, it's like you met your soulmate and you're not sure you'll ever meet again. And that's why I always say Paris stays with you. Paris stays with us. Paris calls us. If you've ever been to Paris, she stays with you. If you've never been to Paris and you're listening to this, she's calling you, which means she's there's some there's some part of you in her. There's some part of you that's echoed by her, and that's how she's able to communicate with you. Let me read you these quotes. So first, this is one from Marcel Proust. Le véritable voyage de découverte ne consiste pas à chercher de nouveaux paysages, mais à avoir de nouveaux yeux. 
I'll read that again with a little bit more liaison for the for the francophone and for the French students. Le véritable voyage de découverte ne consiste pas à chercher de nouveaux paysages, mais à avoir de nouveaux yeux. So a a true voyage of discovery doesn't consist in looking for new new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And I think this is the reason why it's so important to travel alone from time to time because, I mean, you can have some of this when you're traveling in groups or if you're traveling, you know, with, with your friends or your partner, but you'll really have new eyes if you give yourself this gift of traveling alone. I think solo travel is one of the best things ever. When I would come to Paris on my own, I would spend so much time sitting in cafes, writing and people watching. I would go up to Montmartre at sunrise and take photos. I'd just walk around. I'd let my intuition guide me. And I think that this is one of the reasons why traveling alone is so important because it gives us an opportunity to do something that we do so rarely once we have the opportunity to, to do it, something we dream of doing, but once we have the opportunity to do it, it's actually quite difficult. I found it quite difficult on this last trip to Rome. It's actually asking ourselves what we want to do, answering that question, and then just doing it. It's interesting because we crave freedom so much naturally as human beings. And I think that as women... I don't know what it's like for a man, but I'm sure that we crave freedom in a way that's different than they do. And we have total freedom so rarely that the exercise of actually having it is quite challenging. So when I would come to Paris on my own, for example, you know, as I always tell my students, don't overplan, don't overplan. So I would never overplan my Paris trips. I didn't overplan Rome. You know, I knew I had a I had a I had a long list, I had a short list of things I had to see. I had a longer list of things I wanted to see. And I really didn't sort of plan an itinerary until um until I got there. One of my tips for travel, well, first of all, travel light. Let me give you some of my practical travel tips. Travel light. So I only had a carry-on, but I was only there for a week, you know, so that's fine. And even then, you can tell from my stories, I basically am wearing the same thing every day. Travel comfortably. I wore my, I brought a, a chic pair of just classic, it's funny because all the, the Romans were saying, ah, oh, you look so Parisian, but, but which kind of makes me chuckle because that quote-unquote Parisian look, it's so basic. It's just, you know, I mean, I'm, I was just wearing my beige wool coat. Um, when I, you know, if I wanted to bring things up a notch, I'd wear my black um, heeled um, booties, but not big heels, just a couple of inches, uh, you know, and like a white button-up shirt and that fabulous, fabulous black wool hat that I've had for years that... My friend, who was my mother of my host family when I was a student here, gave to me. I, that hat, actually, she gave to me a few years ago, but I do tend to keep things for a very long time when I love them. 
So that was sort of my uniform. And so I had a pair of jeans, a pair of black slacks. I actually brought two pairs of jeans, only ended up wearing one. I had a couple of button-up shirts, only ended up wearing one. I had a couple of turtleneck, um, those sort of wool turtleneck sweaters that you see me wearing all the time because I'm frileuse. I tend to get cold really easily, so those those keep me warm well. I brought my super comfy Reebok sneakers that are sort of vintage and stylish, which I love, and I basically lived in those, which is really important, especially for a city like Rome, because there are so many cobblestones. And I'll post a picture of, maybe I'll post a picture in the L'Art de Vivre Facebook group for the students of like the French Confidence, et cetera, courses of some of these, some of these just sort of candid selfies of these outfits that I was wearing. And you'll see the comfy Reeboks add just sort of an ironic, fun twist. And they sort of looked Italian because they add this pop of color, right? I mean, I definitely didn't look as chic as the Roman women that were walking this, you know, around between business meetings, but I was there to see. I was there to, I did a ton of walking, a ton of walking. Um, but that's what I went to do. I went there to connect with myself. I went there to rest after my exams. I went there to write. I went there to read. I read um, quite a bit of Henry James's travel collection from his Italy, from his Italian travels, the Italian hours. I read quite a bit of the Roman philosopher Cicerone or Cicerone en français, in French. And I went there to eat and I went there to reward myself with a connection with this culture that um, I love and that I've been studying, this language that I love and I've been studying um, and also seeking seeking a rencontre, a meeting with uh, parts of myself that are echoed in that culture. So to get back to this Proust quote, seeing with new eyes, seeing with new eyes. It's interesting. I love how this quote sort of takes what we typically think of travel and turns it into something that's really personal and really internal that doesn't have so much to do with just the place we visit on its own, but really the the chemistry that happens between us, between our soul and the place that we're visiting. This next quote that I love. So this is Colette. And this one might shock you. Le voyage n'est nécessaire qu'aux imaginations courtes. Le voyage n'est nécessaire qu'aux imaginations courtes. Colette. So travel is only necessary for short imaginations. Now, mind you, this is coming from a woman who is ill much of her life. Um, towards the end, the last decade, she couldn't even really leave her apartment near the Louvre, but I think there's something to this. Again, this is this one's a little bit stronger than the the Proust quote in terms of the the emphasis that it places on us versus the emphasis of travel um, being placed on the place that we travel to. 
However, it's true what she says. I think, you know, travel is really only necessary for those with short imaginations. So much of what we do, even when we're, when we're traveling to a new place, again, you know, it's this chemistry that happens between us and the place. I think that a lot of the quote-unquote travel that we're feeling is this release Something about the chemistry between the place, this mental release, this place, the chemistry between the place we're in and our soul creates a mental release that allows us to dream more deeply, that allows us to to see ourselves differently, to reflect differently, and to see home differently, even though we're not in our home. But so much of what we see and experience in life is really in our mind's eye. And I think that that is what Colette is getting to here. So if you are someone who is saving up for that Paris trip or hasn't been able to travel in some time, remember this Colette quote. Remember the importance of your imagination. And if you're someone who has traveled recently or is able to travel more often, ask yourself, Am I just having a a visceral, a physical experience when I'm traveling to these places? Or am I really giving myself the opportunity to engage in a soulful chemistry with the place that's activating my imagination? Because that, in my opinion, is the true, true gift of travel. Okay, maker. What I also wanted to do is give you some more of my practical travel tips. So I mentioned, you know, pack light. Packing light just makes everything better. It's so nice to breeze through the airport. It's so nice to breeze through the train station. It's so nice to just be able to put your suitcase, if you're traveling by train, just above your seat on the train and not have to stress out about being located somewhere else in the car with all the other bags. And if you've, if you've done my French confidence course, then you know also too that, you know, part of this French chicness is just being able to do things with ease, i.e. do things lightly. It feels and it looks quite chic actually to not have a lot of bags when you're traveling. So I have my one carry-on. I love my carry-on bag. It's white. I got it in Barcelona. Most of my luggage actually came from Barcelona. You can get some really great deals on, on luggage down there. And I had one coat. I didn't bring that much, but I only ended up wearing half of what I brought. Of course, I did some shopping that I'm very happy with. I bought some wonderful, wonderful Italian dress shirts. I'll have to share the brand with you in a future episode or on social media. They don't wrinkle. They're so chic. The collar stays popped up. I, and they have, a, they have uh, boutiques in Paris, so I absolutely have to give you that name. I bought some wonderful classic pieces. I bought some amazing vintage men's ties in the spirit of Diane Keaton, Annie Hall. That was a wonderfully serendipitous experience. I was in Trastevere looking for a place to have dinner, and all of a sudden there was this vintage shop next, well, not a vintage shop. It was a, a, it was a used clothing drive for the church in the area, and they were only open from 9 to 11 p.m., go figure. So 
I got lucky with that. I bought some books and I still managed to bring everything back on carry on. So when it comes to the actual logistics of traveling to a place on my own, so for example, I went to Greece on my own this summer, I I like to take local transportation, public transportation, because I really like to get a feel for the city, for the culture. I I kind of could make the analogy of, you know, Instagram versus life when it comes to, you know, just being in hotels and more um tourism driven places versus being on a subway. So I always challenge myself to take the subway, to take public transportation from the airport, which I did in Greece, which was particularly challenging because I don't read the Greek alphabet. Pardon, I was just having more of my team, but I did it and it feels so wonderful to have done it. And if you're someone who feels, if traveling by yourself makes you feel nervous or scared, know that there's a part of me that's always a little bit anxious too when I arrive in a new place. Even when I speak the language, arriving in Rome, I was a little bit anxious because I've never taken the subway in Rome. And I'd read online, you know, how to take the the direct train from the airport to, um, you know, the nearest subway station. But still, when you get into a place and they're speaking another language, even if it's a language that you basically understand and that you can, you know, communicate for yourself in, there's a little bit of anxiety that comes with that, but that in my experience quickly dissipates. I had, I had a similar experience in Greece this summer and, and it's worth it. It really helps one to build confidence and to build connection with whatever city that they're, that they're visiting. So I always do research before I travel about how I'm going to get from the airport to wherever I'm staying. This trip, I decided to stay in a hotel. So really, my whole vision for this Rome trip was, as I've said now multiple times, pardon, uh, you know, relaxation, but also connection with Italian culture. I really wanted to be speaking Italian. So I thought the best thing would be to stay at a hotel. And I love the hotel I stayed at because I'd be chatting with the people who work there, which was absolutely true. They're such lovely people, um, particularly a gentleman named Luca. He was so much fun to chat with in the mornings when I was reading the paper and having my coffee. That's Luca building the fire in the Instagram story. And um, so that's why I chose a hotel this time. I also, just because I was so depleted after my finals at the Sorbonne, I thought, you know what, I... So first of all, Rome is a city that I plan to go back to again and again and again and again. I have a soul connection with, connection with that city, so I knew it wasn't the last time I'd be there. And I thought, you know, I'll save the I'll save renting an apartment and grocery shopping and cooking for another trip. I want this trip to be as filled with these as possible. I know that I'm going to want to wake up and walk early in the mornings. I'm craving nature, so that's also why I picked the hotel. It's next to the Villa Borghese Park. Uh, and I don't want to have to fuss around with buying groceries and making breakfast. I want to go downstairs, have my espresso, have my orange juice, have my pastries, and be on my way and do my thing and treat myself, you know, treat myself to a, a bed that's made in the evening that I didn't have to make. So I knew that there, um, you know, were a few things that I had to see. But other than that, I really saved the planning until the first evening I arrived. Now, this is a huge travel tip. This is a huge travel tip. If you can take enough time off to do this, 
I highly recommend it, especially when there's time difference involved. I love arriving at my hotel or at the apartment I'm staying at in the late afternoon. I love arriving when it's still light, but when it's going to be dark soon. Because a great way to set, at least myself, up for success for a trip After traveling most of the day, you know, and the flight to Rome isn't that long. It's just about two hours, but still you're dealing with the airport at the time and and public transportation. I took the RER to the airport. It was still the grève, the strike. So not all the trains were working. The trains were very, very crowded. You know, it was, it was, you know, just a day. Plus the stress of arriving in a city I haven't been to in ages, figuring out, you know, where the train is that I wanted to take and then taking the metro you know, all these things. And also just the stress of standing out as a, as a traveler. I absolutely stand out in Rome. Nothing about me looks Roman. Um, you know, I stand out less in Paris now because mainly because of the way that I dress and also just my demeanor and, and, you know, speaking French aside, but, you know, just knowing that you stand out is stressful when you're, when you're traveling alone. So, it's nice to just rest. So that night was great because I got in, I did my own packing, I went and had dinner, I took a bath, I decided, you know, my top two places I wanted to have dinner, I sort of started to map everything out, I knew I wanted to do a, a lot of walking, I got in touch with uh, my friend Mauro so that we could plan when we were going to see each other, and and voila. And one more tip before because I was just talking about taking the metro and taking the train, um, sort of a safety tip. Remember that, and I'm going to use the word vulnerable, but but please, you know, don't don't let it scare you. Um, I just mean it in like a very literal way. Um, I do think that tourists are most vulnerable when they're buying metro tickets. You know, and A, it's because it's a classic place for people to, you know, try to take your wallet or, or maybe reach into a pocket when you're not looking, but B, just because it's, it's an, it's a great opportunity for us, for someone to catch us looking confused. So when I travel alone, I'm very aware of moments when I feel like I know what I'm doing and moments when I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. If I need to look on my phone for directions and I don't feel like I'm in a a smart place to do that, I'll go somewhere else and do that. Like maybe walk into a cafe and have a coffee and do that. But you know, on the streets of Rome, looking at my phone, I was fine. I felt very, 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 very safe in Rome. But you know, the moments where I've heard people having bad experiences with pickpockets in Paris, uh, I think inevitably they've unfortunately been caught at a moment where they just seemed distracted. Like I was talking to a friend the other night at the Le Train Bleu event, and she recently had her phone taken out of her hand in Paris, and she said she was, you know, rocking out to her Céline Dion. So she was listening to music. So already the earbuds, that's a giveaway. Someone's not really paying attention to their environment. She was into the music. She probably didn't have a strong grip on her phone, et cetera, et cetera. So case in point, when I got to the metro station in Rome, there weren't clear instructions for how to pay for your tickets by card, only with coins, and I didn't have coins. So that's actually 
pro travel tip number one, if you can, if you're traveling within Europe, always have cash and coins, some cash and coins on you because not everywhere takes cards and I couldn't figure out where it was. And so I started, and so I was very aware of the fact that I stand out, I have a suitcase and I'm looking confused and I have my card out. So I thought, okay, we're going to step back. So I stepped back to watch, um, to watch someone else, to watch a Roman pay. And this woman was so sweet. She said, no, 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 go ahead. You were first. I said, no, 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 actually I can't figure out how to pay with my card because it doesn't say. And she said, oh, you have to go to the, um, the counter. So I went to the counter and they were, and they were very, very helpful, but that's a great example of being aware of when you look like you're not aware of your surroundings. And I think that actually that's a great rule of thumb right there. If you're not comfortable with a certain metro station, just go right to the counter to buy your tickets. So first night in, I rested. I sort of made my loose itinerary. I planned the most perfect first morning in Rome ever with the tour with Luca, the mini tour Roma. So that was great. I got a sort of a bird's eye feel of everything. And then from there on out, I did what I was saying earlier. I woke up in the morning. What do you want to do today, Carrie Ann? And this is a really great exercise because it's not that easy to do when you're not used to doing it. Well, today I just want to walk or today I'd actually like to try and see some some vintage shops or, you know, one of my one of my best days was a day that was totally guided by my love for books. I thought, you know what? Today I'm going to go to the Pantheon and I'm going to put into my Google Maps bookstores, Libreria. And I'm just going to see where we go. And I had the best adventure and found the most beautiful books. Ask yourself what you want to do. Answer the question and do it. It's really priceless. It's a magically powerful feeling. And voila, mes coeurs. I think that I've given you some of my best tips for travel. I'll think more on it and share more of them in a future podcast if I find there's any that I've forgotten. Um, a lot of this is are things in my French confidence program. I always travel, and I think maybe in L'Art de Vivre too, with a, tra- a mini travel steamer. That helps me to look put together. I got mine on Amazon.fr, the one I had in the States. I got at Bed Bath & Beyond. Each of them were about 20 euros, $20. I always travel with, I have this really great um, small weight to, it's like it, you hook it on your suitcase and then you lift your suitcase. You li- you hold this, um, it's not a weight, sorry, it's a scale. You hold it in your hand and strap to your suitcase to make sure that my bag is under limit so that I can travel uh, without checking my bag. It's so key, game changer. I used to overpack tremendously when I traveled. It's so freeing. For me now, that's part of the exercise of traveling. It's actually easier to pack less when you travel on your own because, you know, I think you're less involved in thoughts of like, oh, I want to look cute or, you know, what are, what are we going to end up doing? There's less variables in what you might end up doing. Whereas when you travel on your own, you basically know what you're going to be up to, what you're going to get up to. So it's easier to bring less, but it's so fun I challenge myself to bring less and less and less because that's part of the joy of solo travel for me too. It's just completely disconnecting from this need to have things 
this need to have so many clothes, as I say in French confidence, this remembrance of the fact that, you know, what I'm wearing or what I look like is the most, is the least interesting thing about me. Case in point, I will share with you, when I, I had an issue with my contact lenses when I was in Brussels the weekend before I went to Rome, so I stopped wearing um, my contacts, I stopped wearing mascara. So another thing that was really freeing for me is most of my Rome trip, I was just rocking out in my glasses and no mascara, and, and I still felt, I still felt great. It was really nice to give my eyes that break, but also to give my mind that break of remembering that, that, you know, how our outer beauty is perceived is one of the most least important things about us. So the travel steamer, um, a lot of things are kind of common sense. I'm sure you all do when you travel too. I always have a small supply of like any necessary uh, over the counter, sometimes over the, un, sometimes prescription medicines with me. Uh, vitamins, I take vitamin C before the day before I travel, the day I travel, just to kind of fight off any microbe or germs that I might get while I'm en route, while I'm on my way. Um, I always have. Uh, what else do I always have? I think that's really it. I do a really great job of condensing any makeup or any um, sort of beauty products into small packaging. Some Also what I do, I have a wonderful oil that I use on my face that doubles as a hair oil. So this is how I'm actually really able to travel with a very, very, very small amount of weight in my suitcase, which is also very French, by the way. Traveling light is super French very chic. And I told you I like to arrive places in the late afternoon. I like to leave in the late morning. I like to, I mean, it depends. If I only have a couple of days to go explore a place, obviously I'm going to maximize the amount of time um, and, you know, and try and leave in the evening. However, on this trip, I wanted to get back to Paris in the evening to be rested for school, which started the next day. Um, but also, you know, I just thought this will, I'll leave when I have to check out of my hotel. I'll go straight to the metro, to the train, to the airport. And, and that way it made for a day that was as relaxing as possible for a travel day versus, you know, putting my bags downstairs with the desk and continuing to explore Rome. Plus by that time I had done so much walking all I really wanted was a quiet morning with a long bath and a newspaper and a cappuccino in front of a fire, which is exactly what I had. But you see, it was only towards the end of that week that I was really able to say, no, this is what I want. And everyone at the hotel was saying, no, go outside, explore more. It's beautiful. I said, you know what? I'm so grateful for all the exploring I've done. All I want in this moment is to read the Italian paper hear the crackling of the fire, have my cappuccino, and just really soak in this amazing solo travel experience. And by the way, if you're traveling to a country where you really look forward to speaking the language, traveling on your own is the best way to do it. If, I mean, actually, I was going to say, especially if you're especially if your friends don't speak the same language, but even if they do, to really ensure that you get in your conversation time, traveling alone is 
amazing. And of course, as a woman traveling alone, you're going to get a lot of attention, excuse me, because um, locals love to drague or hit on tourists. But there are ways to handle that that are absolutely made easier when you speak the language. Um, I'll share some, I'll share some, a couple of safety tips right here before I close out, uh, this episode, you know, obviously as a woman, it's not, it's not smart to be out late at night, late, late at night by yourself. The way that I balance this out on my solo trips is I treat myself to really long lunches instead of doing really long late dinners. The dinners that I shared on Instagram stories, were on the earlier side for Romans. So I was eating at eight, for example. Um, and also in like Il Marchese, par exemple, for example, was near my hotel. Um, but for me, like a long lunch is so decadent with a glass of wine. I do that occasionally on the weekend. So to be able to just, you know, do that over the course of a week, a couple of times for me was so, so decadent. Um, there was one incident where a gentleman approached me um, on as I was walking near my hotel. This was probably 10 o'clock at night. You know, that's what I felt very, very safe in Rome. Um, and he was very complimentary. Uh, I didn't appreciate, you know, that he sort of surprised me, <laughs> right? That's never... You know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily see him coming, but you know, he was, he was sweet and complimentary. He had clearly identified me as a tourist. He was speaking to me in English. I wanted to know where I was from, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so all I said in, in Italian was, thank you. Have a nice evening. And he immediately understood. And I said it with, you know, a smile, but with no teeth. And I said it with a certain amount of firmness and he immediately understood and he excused himself and he said, have a, have a, have a great evening. Um, but that was really the only time where I had a moment where I felt like I had to put a boundary in place. Um, you know, otherwise I think just, you know, when you're traveling on your own, use your common sense and, and listen to your intuition, really listen to your intuition and enjoy that intuition. And if you have any questions, email me at carrieann, C-A-R-R-I-E-A-N-N-E, at frenchisbeautiful.com. If this episode has inspired you, I would love it if you would leave a five-star rating, and I would be very, very touched if you were inspired to leave a review. Je vous embrasse très, très fort. I send you a very, very big kiss, et je vous souhaite... Une très belle semaine, and I wish you a very beautiful week.